there are people throughout the world that have interesting stories to tell. Stories of heroism, acts of kindness, near-death experiences, successes, and failures. You usually hear of these stories from people that live in another state or country. But what about the stories from within your own community? Everyone has a story to tell. And by everyone, we mean your neighbor, your coworker, the person behind you at church, people you interact with on a daily basis, or maybe even you. Welcome to season two of the DTB podcast presented by the Bless Your Heart Nonprofit Corporation. I'm Brennan Mathern, and I'll be your host as we speak to some of the most interesting people on Bayou Lafouche. We're so happy to be back with you for a second season. We welcome all of our new subscribers and encourage you to go check out our previous episodes. When we recorded our last episode of season one, it was mid-August of 2021, and we decided to take a little break after 13 episodes. Little did we know that two weeks later, we'd be facing the biggest natural disaster any of us had ever experienced. On August 29th, Hurricane Ida at a Category 4 made landfall in Lafouche Parish. It was the strongest storm to ever hit southeast Louisiana and the seventh strongest storm to hit the United States. But you didn't think that would keep a bunch of Cajuns down, right? These past few months have been tough, but there is still a long road to recovery with signs of storms still everywhere in South Lafouche. But there are glimmers of hope as well. Residents are getting back on their feet, restaurants are reopening, and we're seeing new businesses come into the area. Bless Your Heart Nonprofit also remains extremely active in the recovery process, and we even recorded a bonus episode between the two seasons that detailed those endeavors, which you can go check out. But no one will forget the storm that forever changed our lives. Looking back at our first season, every guest who was alive in 1965 had a story about Hurricane Betsy. I think as we go through season two, we'll find everyone has a story about Hurricane Ida, which drew so many comparisons to Betsy. That brings us to our first show of season two. One of the lasting images of Hurricane Ida is the video of pieces of the roof flying off Lady of the Sea General Hospital and cut off. What some don't realize is there was actually people in that building at that time. Today, we'll talk to some of those people who were there while also discussing the history, current status, and the future of this important cornerstone of our community. Joining us from Lady of the Sea General Hospital are its CEO, Ms. Karen Collins, Lloyd Guidry Jr., the Chief Operations Officer, and Mr. Tad LaFont, Chief Clinic Officer. Everyone, welcome and thanks for joining the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. So let's first of all uh, go around the room, introduce yourself. Uh, We like to start off with, tell us who your mom and dad is. Uh, Tell us about your family and where you grew up. Ms. Karen? My name is Karen Collins. My mom was Joyce Hebert Simino. My dad, James Simino, was a Yankee. He was from Metairie, uh, but he was in the Coast Guard, and my mom met him actually when he was stationed on Grand Isle. Uh, and came down here, uh, got married, uh, seven kids. Uh, so uh, we were, of course, raised here. Um, I went to Baton Rouge to go to nursing school, lived there for a while, but then came home in 1982 and have been here ever since. Uh, been at the hospital in various roles. Um, the last being I was the chief nursing officer for 18 years and have been the CEO since um, 2013. Lloyd? My name is Lloyd uh, Guidry, Jr., My dad is uh, Lloyd Guidry Sr., of course. Um, He's a longtime educator in this area. He was a teacher and uh, retired as a principal of Salafouche High School after 40 years in the system. My mother is Dorothy Vizier Guidry, Dot, and um, she was also 
in the education system. She worked as a power at Golden Meadow Lower Elementary for several years. Um, I grew up on West 202 Street, which is uh, next to where Collie's Barbershop is and where um, they used to have Lanny's Motel and uh, a ballroom and stuff around there. So that's the area that I grew up in. I've been at the hospital almost uh, 30 years. I'm a pharmacist by trade, so um, I uh, direct the pharmacy in addition to chief operations officer there. And I've been uh, chief operations officer since 2006. So uh, this is the DTB podcast, and uh, so we talk about being from down the bar. Mr. Lloyd's from way down the bar, yeah, in the 200s on the west side. Tad? Yeah, my name is uh, Tad LaFont. <clears throat> I'm the chief clinic officer at Lady C. General Hospital. My dad is Larry LaFont, uh, originally from La Rose, and my mom is Gail Martin LaFont, originally from Golden Meadow. I have one sister. Her name's Laurie. She lives out in Austin with her family. Uh, married to Buffy Sheremy LaFont. Uh, and both of us have been um, at Lady C Hospital for quite a long time. I, I believe Buffy started in 1991, and I started in 1993. Uh, I've served in numerous roles at the hospital. I started as a nursing assistant, then I was a LPN. Uh, I was a registered nurse. I worked in the emergency room and managed the ICU uh, for many years. And in uh, 2010 or 11, uh, I was um, given the role of chief clinic officer where I'm responsible for uh, the daily operations of all of our outpatient clinics. So Lady C Medical Clinic La Rose, Lady C Medical Clinic Cutoff, and our outpatient therapy department. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here. Uh, I, obviously, one of the, the key reasons we wanted to bring you on is, is so that we can inform the community about what's going on with the hospital uh, since Hurricane Ida and, and talk about where we're going to go in the future, uh, the near and, and uh, you know, far off in, in the distance. But uh, before we get into that and, and your experience during the storm, uh, Ms. Karen, can you give us a little bit of the history uh, of Lady of the Sea Hospital and, and Lloyd? Uh, I I know that uh, we, we were talking about this and researching it. There's not a lot online ab about the hospital. Uh, I'm sure it's all written down somewhere, uh, but we'd love to hear a little bit about uh, how the hospital got started and especially how the name came about, things like that. Uh, well, the hospital was formed uh, as, as a hospital service district back in 1953, uh, and then they built a hospital in 1956, which um, many people won't remember because it's no longer there. It was where the, uh, our current dialysis uh, unit is. Following that, the hospital um, built the current building that we're in in 1978. Um, and it had was licensed for 55 beds, um, and we have been there um, since then. I actually have to give away my age and say I was a candy striper uh, at the first hospital, the original hospital. Okay, well, what, some of us don't know what a candy striper is, so that is dating you a little bit. So explain what that is. Uh, so this was <laughs> when we were uh, students in high school. You could come in and volunteer. So it was a, a volunteer uh, group for young people. So if they were interested in um, healthcare-related fields, uh, they could do some work and be able to see nurses um, and physicians at work. And the outfit they wore looked like a candy uh, candy cane. So I think that's why they were called candy stripers. It was, uh, it was pink and white. Pink and white. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, so the name, Lady of the Sea, it, it feels like it's right at home. It feels like such a good name, uh, and, and it fits well. But how did that name come about? Well, um, there was a uh, contest when the hospital was first formed. There was a contest to name the hospital uh, at the local schools. And so the hospital board at that time chose from the, um, the recommendations uh, that were given in the community. 
uh, and it makes sense when you think about it back then, especially we had such a, um, a lot of industry based on fishing and trawling that um, uh, I could see how the Lady of the Sea would have won out as a, as a nomination. For sure. So, but you mentioned that it was originally built with 55 beds, and I'm sure over the years, y'all, uh, you know, there's been reconstruction, you move things around. Pre-Ida, uh, what was the capacity of the hospital? Um, we had switched to uh, a different status from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid to uh, what is known as a critical access hospital. So we only had 25 beds. It just changes the way uh, reimbursement uh, right. happens for hospitals like that. So we only had 25. Okay. So leading up to that, uh, we, we come to the storm. Uh, obviously, all of us uh, w- w- stayed here for the storm. Um you know, phone lines go down, internet goes down. We, we're not seeing a lot. But uh, during the storm, for those of us who did have internet access and for all those who evacuated, uh, we saw the video. We saw the the roof being blown off, the, the, uh, the person taking the video, reacting to it, uh, and it quickly went, went viral and, and it was on seemingly every newscast around the country. Um, I know Ms. Karen, Mr. Lloyd, y'all were actually in the hospital at the time. Can you tell us what it was like being there? Maybe, and maybe let's let's go back a little bit to the evacuation process, as as the parish president calls the evacuation, uh, and and what y'all are faced with the decisions that y'all have to make as a hospital, and how did that affect care leading up to the storm hitting? Well, we have a very uh, detailed hurricane plan because we are all every year involved in some type of hurricane preparation. We normally would evacuate patients when we have a storm of this intensity uh, coming. But if you remember, last August we were in the very heights of, uh, our, alas, our fifth COVID surge, um, our fourth COVID surge then. Um, and so it was almost impossible to transfer patients. I mean, we called probably over 30 hospitals to try to transfer our four patients, and we weren't able to do so. Um, and so we hunkered down, uh, made sure they were going to stay s- safe during the storm, um, and we brought in the necessary staff to take care of them. We uh, didn't get to see the um, the video till much later, but we heard it and saw. <laughs> we heard the roof and we saw the roof uh, being blown all around us. And we, we need to keep in mind how quick this thing developed because it was a tropical storm and it was heading towards Mexico, and before you know it, it's it's a Cat 4 within 72 hours, I believe. Um, so we had to make mm-hmm. a lot of decisions in a, in a quick amount of time. Um, we did see uh, we did, we did, did see some things happening. We thought the roof had blown off, but it really wasn't the roof. It was just the underside of the emergency room ramp. And then our gener- big generator went out, which was capable of running the whole hospital. So once that thing went out, uh, we had our facilities manager was looking into that, and um, I went to check on him, and he's running back the opposite way, and I said, what about the generator? He said, that's the least of our worries right now because the roof just blew off. So that's how quickly things happen. Can, can you kind of uh, set the scene for us what it was like inside the hospital after, in, in, you know, in the moments after that, and, and uh, did y'all have patients on the third floor? Like, what had to happen at that point? Yeah, our patients were on the, uh, all on the second floor is where uh, we house the patients. The third floor, we did have staff up there, so they had, we uh, brought them down as a, um, as a precaution to make sure they were safe. <clears throat> when, the, when the membrane, when the covering of the roof went off, it pulled pipe you know, everything that was covering the roof went off with it. Actually, uh, after the storm, when we walked up there, it's like someone would have scraped it. 
scraped everything off of it. There were just holes where everything had been. Uh, and so almost immediately we started getting uh, water coming in through the openings on the roof as it just slowly went through soaked tiles, went through soaked tiles all the way through. They made sure the patients, of course, um, it didn't happen immediately. It took time. They made sure the patients were safe. Uh, we were on emergency power. Even though we had our big generator failed, we have a second backup generator, so we are able to um, to keep the patients, um, uh, all the necessary functions for them uh, working. Um, we actually we actually had the um, the levy district also was we housed them during storms so they were there uh, and uh, were willing to help us if we needed uh, any help during that uh, during that episode. Yeah, things got progressively worse um, as the as the time went on. Um, when the roof first came off came off, you know we didn't get inundated with rainwater right at the beginning, but as the night went on and things started to you know come from the third floor down to the second floor and down to the first floor. I mean, we eventually had what looked like waterfalls coming through straight from the roof. Um, and we had wind driven water coming through the patient's uh, rooms and things like that. So we had to stay on our toes the whole night. And speaking of which, I'm trying to put myself in the position of a staff member or a patient uh, at the hospital. And I mean, on one hand, when you're in a hospital, you feel helpless to begin with. And you, when you see all that going on around you, I, I got to imagine that the tensions were pretty high, uh, not just with, with the, the staff, but with the patients as well. Well, everybody was uh, did a great job of making sure everybody stayed safe, patients and staff. So that was the big focus. People are nervous, and uh, the adrenaline is flowing, and everybody wants to make sure everybody's um, safe and staying away from areas where they, you know, potentially could have uh, anything coming through uh, any of the holes uh, that we had in the roof. Uh, so really, it was it was tense, but um, people did a great job. I mean, the focus on patient safety uh, is always there, and the staff was very great about working together. I mean, we had to move you had to move equipment out of the rain, uh, well, not, not in the rain, but out where water was flowing through. Uh, we plugged things where you had emergency outlets. So everybody was also pretty busy uh, keeping everything um, secure. Right, and and during a time like that, you're no longer a nurse, uh, an administrator, a pharmacist. You know, you do whatever needs to be done at that time. So, you know, if you have to pick up a broom or mop and sweep up water, uh, throw blankets on the floor, you just do whatever you have to do at that moment. And when you've been in healthcare, especially for a long time, especially when you've been working in a clinical area, um, you've been programmed to not worry about yourself. You always put the patient first and you worry about the patient. So that's what we did in that uh, particular uh, moment. You know, we made sure our patients were safe. They were out of harm's way. And everybody at that place would have thrown themselves on top of the patients to, to protect them if they would have needed to. That's fantastic. Um, and, and not uncommon uh, to hear it w with so many stories of, of people caring for others during the storm. You know, and, and another common theme uh, in the immediate aftermath of the storm, anybody that was here, you know, no running water, no electricity, and, and no idea of when those things will be restored. Not to mention, you also, you know, to your point, you're taking care of others, but you have to feed yourself. You have to continue to go on. Adrenaline, as we all know, only gets you so far. How do you continue to run? Uh, you know, how how long were you? did you have to sustain yourself until you were able to get those patients elsewhere, uh, and, and how did you manage that? Well, the, um, the focus changed swiftly to... Okay, now here we are. We have generator issues. We lost our roof covering. Uh, the building is compromised. So how do we get our patients out? So the efforts then switched, uh, talking to emergency services. They were able to 
uh, arrange for um, transfer of our patients by a helicopter with the Coast Guard, uh, we sent um, our staff. There was no medical personnel in the helicopters, so we had to send the patients with our staff. The ambulance staff was very helpful. They also rode in the helicopters. And I uh, also have to give a shout-out to the fire department because they all came and helped us carry those patients down the stairs because, of course, there is no uh, power, so there's no elevators. Uh, so the patients had to be carried downstairs. Uh, we even had the fire department parking trucks with the lights on on the helipad so that um, they could make sure they, that it was all clear for the helicopters to, to um, come and pick up the patients. Uh, and so really was, uh, even to the end, that effort, even after the patients were moved, um, and it was just the staff there, and by then it was almost daylight, we kept the emergency room staff there um, just to, at least till about 3 o'clock, just in case once the storm, the brunt of the storm was over, in case somebody was seriously injured, we could maybe assist them um, till they could get more help. And after 3 o'clock, we just finished shutting it down because we had no power, no water. Um, it was just time to go. Yeah, and while we were on still on emergency power, it was a smaller generator. It only ran certain things, certain lights, um, certain outlets. Um, and we had patients on ventilators. So one of our big concerns was if we lose that little generator, what's going to happen to those patients? So we, we had um, our nurse director on uh, med surge. She made a list of people that were there, and we were ready in case we lost power. People were going to go manually ventilate those patients. And, and so ultimately, you, you evacuate patients, you, you're having to deal with staff, at, and within the next couple of weeks, uh, you know, staff members that have evacuated are coming back. But now you have a community uh, who is, you, you know, p- trying to pick up the pieces. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we're really thankful for is we did not have, during the storm itself, any deaths or any major injuries, which, which is a miracle in and of itself. But through recovery, that's when you start to see some of those things happen. Uh, and so now we have a community that's basically with a, a completely depleted hospital. Take us through the steps of where, from, from that point to where we are you know, today and, and now as we sit here, uh, and how did we rebuild that infrastructure to get back in place to, to bring services back to the people? Well, our staff did uh, an amazing job. I have to say, they left the hospital to go home to they didn't know what. Uh, many of them with homes that were damaged, significantly damaged. Um, but our goal from the beginning was how quickly can we get any kind of medical services uh, available? Because we did have the ambulance service uh, was the only medical service that was available here. So they did a really good job. We actually had um, um, Tad had come in. We tried to see, first of all, what we could do for the clinics to get the clinic open right away. We were very fortunate in that our um, two clinics, uh, LaRose only had minor damage and the cutoff clinic was undamaged. Uh, and also our rehab building was undamaged. So initially it was to get the clinic open so people could have some medical care. And so by the Thursday, um, after the hurricane, the cutoff clinic was um, was open. And also the pharmacy at the cutoff clinic was open, which is really uh, vital for patients who were, some of them just trying to leave the area and they wanted their medications filled. Uh, we had no internet. Uh, we were on emergency power. The pharmacy was filling prescriptions uh, by hand, uh, just writing. Uh, labels, they were taking prescriptions from any of the pharmacies just to help people uh, get their medicine. A lot of them would just come up and say, I just need to get, my home is destroyed, I just need my medicine to, to go to wherever they were going to. Um, I'll let Tad talk a little bit about um, the opening of the cutoff clinic. As Karen said, um, we were very fortunate that uh, the cutoff clinic uh, sustained no damage whatsoever. Um, 
I stayed at home during the storm. Uh, my wife, Buffy, and my son, Jacob, were at the hospital. So I was able to uh, get there the next day about 11 o'clock um, and was glad to see that, uh, you know, the cutoff clinic was still standing. The hospital was still standing, even though it didn't have a roof. Um, so we started working that day. Uh, Karen and I had some discussions about trying to get the clinic open. And we were able to accomplish that on the Thursday following the storm. So about 72 hours after the storm, <clears throat> we brought in um, as much staff as we could uh, from both the LaRose Clinic and Cutoff Clinic um, and, and operated everybody out of, out of there. Uh, the first day we were open, uh, there was no emergency room in the community. Uh, we were basically it. So we saw anything from broken legs to broken backs to chainsaw cuts and different things. We actually saw 55 patients the first day. So it was, it was difficult. Uh, the second day we saw in the, in the neighborhood of 50 or 60 patients as well. And Lloyd staff was there helping out, uh, giving, getting antibiotics and blood pressure medicine and all kind of different things like that. Um, uh, the LaRose clinic stayed closed for about two weeks. Uh, they, we had a little bit of <clears throat> water damage there. Uh, but in about two weeks, we were able to mitigate that out. Uh, the biggest problem for us is that we had a a temporary generator on the cutoff clinic, uh, and it was working, uh, but it was working kind of uh, on, on one leg. It was only uh, running half the air conditioning system. It was only running parts of what was going on. We, we had generator failure on, in multiple locations, um, and we had no running water, which was a big issue as well, too. Um, we were very thankful to uh, be able to get in touch with uh, Chad Boudreau with Joe Septic Contractors, and they were able to bring us a portable toilet trailer uh, within a couple of days so we had some bathroom facilities for our patients and staff because we didn't have running water for eight days you don't that's not something you, you 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 tend to prepare for that as much as you can but you don't think that you're gonna have to go eight days without running water that that was the conversation uh when my wife who had evacuated with our family and children uh, was asking me about and i was like look until we get running water you don't want to be here i and and it's one of those things that when you lose it, you you take it for granted until you lose it uh and and that's one of those big lessons learned that we all had to go through yeah. in the aftermath i remember uh <clears throat> i remember buffy calling me the morning of the storm uh, about seven o'clock we had she had gone up there the day before with, with jacob and uh she told me she said what well, why don't you run some water in the bathtub and uh and put some water in the bathtub and I was like you know it's like an old wise tale I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that and I'm glad I did because that's the only <laughs> way we could flush a toilet for several days in the house my goodness and, and you know we all uh, you know we're all sitting here listening to this story and we really just like you know for me at least for the first week or so I just had myself to worry about uh or, or we were at an office or or, or working or something but to think about run you know running water and, and electricity to think about that seeing, uh, you know, an incredible and unthinkable number of, of patients at, at a medical facility uh, and not even having a bathroom. I mean, we all, you know, even today, if, if we go see a doctor, we know how busy those doctor's offices are. And you combining all the services that you, you're trying to offer as many as you can from a hospital into a doctor's clinic. And oh, by the way, there's no no running water. That's that's just incredible to think about. Oh, they had running water. <laughs> they had running water. It just wasn't coming out of the faucets. It was coming from the top of the hospital. Right. Oh, man. Uh, and, and that was, you know, so that was it. That, that you know, was a burden for so many people trying to, you know, get pick up the pieces and get things back together is that we'd have, 
you know, more and more rain. I mean, this is the fall in South Louisiana. We're having more and more rainstorms. Uh, so people are making a little bit of progress, and 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 sometimes it just uh, it got killed by, by that incoming storm. Um, but ultimately, y'all y'all are back at, and and back, uh, you know, working right now uh, and offering those services to people. So. I know that that we want to get into what's coming in the future, but let's talk about what services we have right now for the community and and what people kind of give us a little bit of idea of what people can expect when they come to the facility. Y'all are in obviously not in the main building right now. Y'all are in the makeshift facility in front. Correct. And um, it, before I move on with that, I want to give a little bit additional credit for for the staff when Tad talks about. Uh, they were doing x-rays on patients. So, I mean, they actually moved the portable x-ray machine, you know, out of the hospital and into the, the clinic so they could provide that service since there were no x-ray services available. Uh, in the two weeks following the hurricane, uh, our maintenance staff moved all the equipment out of our rehab building. So we had recently and fortunately expanded double the size of, size of our rehab building. So it's a big open gym area. So it lent itself perfectly to becoming our emergency room uh, temporarily. So actually my, the staff at the hospital, uh, the maintenance people, the x-ray people, the nursing people, they physically moved the equipment from the emergency room, the beds, the monitors, wow. everything from the emergency room, which was not wet at that time. That area uh, was not uh, didn't have its roof damaged. Uh, they physically moved all that supplies, everything, to that building and converted it into an emergency room. And it's amazing if you go in because you think, oh, it's an emergency room. You would never have guessed it was a rehab building. Uh, and also, um, I'd like to thank uh, Energy, who contacted us very shortly after the hurricane and provided us generators for all those buildings because to have an emergency room, you need to have a backup generator. Uh, also, that was very important. Um, well, first of all, to get power, but just in case we have any loss of power. Um, and so all that happened, and we were able to open that emergency room two weeks uh, after the storm. So that was very um, helpful for the community to know that they didn't, if there was something really serious, there would be emergency care without having to be flown out. We were, There was a lot of helicopter activity initially because the roads weren't open for the ambulances even to get on the um, on the road. So um, we do currently have the emergency department open. It is a little confusing for patients because when you look at the hospital, it looks like it's fine, uh, that they wouldn't know that it's totally gutted uh, inside. So uh, we have signage so people can find it. The emergency room is located at 104 West 134th Street. So it's right behind the cutoff clinic next to the ambulance service uh, building. Uh, right next to it, they have a CT truck, a mobile CT unit, so that patients can have um, CT scans if needed through the emergency room as an outpatient. Um, and they are open 24 hours a day, staffed with the doctors that we had before and the staff that we had before. Um, both of our clinics are open, so the cutoff clinic um, is open from um, 8 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock at night, Monday through Friday, um, and then from um, 9 to 3 on Saturdays, Saturdays and Sundays. And, and those uh, people can just walk in for appointments uh, at that at those uh, times. Uh, the Rose Clinic also is open from 8 to 5 on Monday through Friday. The pharmacies are open. Um, the pharmacy that is located at the Cutoff Clinic uh, is open from 8.30 to 7 um, and Monday through Friday and 9 to 3 on Saturdays. And the pharmacy at the Rouse's in La Rose is open at the same hours. Um, our rehab services, since we displaced our rehab uh, services, we were able to get a trailer for them, uh, and they are actually parked in the dialysis parking lot, uh, and they open 8 to 5, Monday through Thursday, and Fridays from 8 to noon. Now, it didn't take long for us to uh, realize that that is not going to be enough space uh, for what they had before, so we're actually in the process of getting them a second trailer 
um, so that they can house uh, additional services there and see more patients because they are going to be displaced as long as the emergency room is in their, um, their building. Um, so patients who need uh, laboratory uh, and x-ray services, they are scattered around our campus. It's all still there, but it's just not in the same place. Uh, so patients who need to have any kind of um, x-ray or lab work can go to the cutoff clinic uh, because we do have housing uh, x-ray equipment there. Um, we have lab drawing uh, patients who need blood work done from out of the area. Uh, many times patients came to the hospital to have their, their doctors from that area ordered stuff for them and they can have it done. That's still in place. You just now can have the, your blood drawn at the clinics, so either the Lewis Clinic or the um, cutoff clinic to get that done. Uh, the one service that we um, have not brought back yet is our dialysis unit. Um, that building uh, was um, had a lot of roof damage and it was uh, wet throughout the building had to be gutted. So um, we tried to get some temporary trailers uh, for the dialysis unit. It is very specific. It is not, you can't just pull a trailer up and um, um, and do dialysis. Uh, you have special water systems. Actually, you couldn't even, you would not, had our dialysis unit not been damaged for the first month, we could not even have done dialysis because there wasn't enough water pressure um, to be able to do that service. Uh, but we have um, uh, trailers ordered uh, and they will be coming so that we can um, start those dialysis services, um, pl we're planning to do that in May uh, for patients because it is a hardship for them. They've had to, they've had to travel. Uh, we wanted to um, thank uh, Bless Your Heart uh, and the Bayou um, Foundation for uh, making some donations to help those patients with their gas expenses. It's uh, you know all those little things is really what's what's helped people. Um, you know, you talked about the pharmacies reopening and. You know, we've, we're certainly creatures of habit uh, here in this community and tradition. And you think about, um, you know, patients that have had uh, their their prescriptions, for example, at the old K&B, uh, and then it became Rite Aid and then Walgreens. Well, Walgreens isn't there anymore. Like, there's the building's literally gone now. Uh, and, and that was one of the big victims of the hurricane. And so you've been having your prescriptions there for 50 years, like, you probably don't even know where to start uh, other than maybe going to your doctor. Is your doctor's office even open? You, you know, uh, that's the type of challenges. And look, those are just the kind of minor things, so to speak, the blips on the radar of people trying to rebuild their house and, you know, maybe try to get get insurance to pay for their car and, and everything else. Uh, but but those are all the hardships that, that people, you know, for our listeners not from here, that that's what our, our people are really facing. So to have people like you all that are from here, that live here, and that, you know, understand the, the suffering and what people need, that's been a, a godsend, I think, for the community to see how quickly things get up. Because if somebody had told me, look, Lady the Sea Hospital is going to lose the roof, I, I would have said, okay, well, how many months or years before we're back running? And to see that y'all got it back up and running, doing what you can, even seeing 50, 60 patients a day in, in the immediate aftermath of the storm, uh, it was truly heroic for this community, no question. Thank you. Uh, so that's where we are today. I know uh, that y'all have some things in the works uh, for the, the main campus. Um, what are we? What can people expect to see on the horizon? And how long before can you estimate? I know that I understand that's going to be uh, tough to look in a crystal ball. But uh, how long before we see a hospital building working as we're used to? Well, we have um, 
recently gone out for bids for a temporary or interim hospital that we can have um, till the uh, permanent hospital is rebuilt. Um, we're excited about it because uh, it's in. We see things in the works, uh, and it's coming soon. Uh, it will be big. It will be um, about twenty-eight thousand square feet. It will house uh, the emergency department. It will house ten inpatient beds, which is one of the things that we lacking. Uh, our patients complain that they have to go to other hospitals um, or, or things that they used to come in for outpatient services they're unable to get right now, uh, like a blood transfusion and those kind of things. Um, it'll have um, uh, full service X-ray. Um, regular imaging rooms, um, ultrasound, which we currently have right now, um, MRI, CT will be still with our mobile um, trucks. Um, we'll get our DEXA scan back, uh, mammography, which has been um, um, people have been asking us for. Um, and so that'll be really nice to have it in one central location because the biggest struggle uh, the community has is locating um, things because it is there's, it's scattered around the campus so as much as we try to help people. Uh, and communicate to that to them is still difficult. So that would be um, great for that to happen. We don't anticipate that to be in place till the end of this year. Um, it's a modular building. It has to be constructed and then constructed on site. Uh, there has to be a, a site prep. Um, so that'll all take time. Uh, the permanent hospital, our, our current projection is that we would see the permanent hospital completed, uh, well, started in early 23 and completed in maybe in 25. So they, they think in a couple uh, possibly three years, two to three years till from now till it would be completed. Good, good news. Uh, and, and I know that that seems like a long way away, but considering what we faced, uh, and and I think everybody listening uh, facing their own hardships, I think uh, that that's that's a reasonable estimate. I, I think that we can all expect to see, and and I think we all would look forward to that. Uh, let me just mention also about dialysis. So we were waiting for the um, temporary facility to get here, but we're also in the process of. Um, renovating the current building and that the um, architects estimate will take not about nine to 11 months. So when you think about how long anything, that seems like such a long time. And then you hear, well, this is a, a much simpler building that's still going to take, you know, almost a year to, to renovate. So then it brings it much more in perspective. And I think people in the community are faced with so many challenges in renovating uh, their own properties or, or you know, um, getting all that done. So I think that they can uh, appreciate it uh, more. But um, the staff here um, at the hospital has always been exceptional, and I, I found even more um, flashes of that uh, during what's happened. So regardless of what was going on in their own homes, you know, damage and, you know, their families not here and people living with each other. I mean, our staff members took other staff members um, in because their houses were damaged and they couldn't live in them, so they could still come and work. Um, it was painful that we had to lay off staff members after the hurricane, of course, because we all of a sudden uh, had to uh, slash our services uh, periodically. So that's been the hardest part because I always feel like people always felt at the hospital they were part of a different family, um, our healthcare family. So, uh, but hopefully they'll all be back soon and we can get them to come back. Um, I can't, like I said, sing praises enough about the staff. Uh, really uh, selfless in, in doing whatever had to be done. Jobs that were not their jobs to do. Even now, we you know we have probably thirty people uh, housed in a uh, four trailer uh, uh, compound uh, with all our essential services. Right after the storm, we were in closets and little exams rooms, squished everywhere, uh, trying to get uh, hospital services back up and running. So they've really done a phenomenal job. 
Yeah, you always see uh, people's true nature when, when a disaster happens, and unfortunately, we've had our, our share of them. Uh, so we've seen it all too often with with the people we work with. But that's great to hear. Um, all right, well, it's time for our rapid fire round. So now we, we thank y'all so much for coming in and and giving us this update. And hopefully, this has really helped. Uh, inform the community about uh, where the hospital is now, where we're going, and and what services they can uh, expect to have uh, at at our local location. Um, but right now, we'll have a little fun with you guys before uh, you leave. So you can give us a you know a, a short answer or expand on it if you like. If you feel the need to explain, it's up to you. So here we go. Uh, so we'll start with Miss Karen, and we'll go around the room. What's your go to order at a down the bayou restaurant? Fried chicken at the twist. Good choice. Lloyd? I like a fried oyster pool boy, um, but I'm not going to name where's my favorite place. <laughs> uh, my go-to is a bang-bang shrimp wrap with onion rings from Charmy's. Oh, that's a good one, and you just made me hungry. All right, uh, back to Miss Karen. What's your favorite Cajun word or phrase and its meaning? Or how do you use it? <laughs> hmm. That's a tough one. I'm not sure. Let me pass on that one. I'm stuck. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I was afraid you were going to steal mine. Mine is a rod dot. <laughs> and a rod dot, I guess, the basic, most simple definition is just a commotion of some kind. Yeah. But yeah. We, you can use that word for so many situations. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to agree with Lloyd. <laughs> he, he got me on that one. A rod dot is a, is, is a very fitting term for a lot of things we've been going through in the last six, seven months, uh, whether it's at home or at work or just in the, in the community in general. I was going to say, I think a lot of people listening right now agree with you. I was about to say that pretty much is a description of everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one's much easier. Uh, favorite snowball flavor? Uh, Tiger blood. So what, 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 we got to tell us, what is Tiger blood? Can you describe uh, actually, it Actually, I... It's a red snowball. We and all I, ordered it. So we, all we all know it's, it's red. It's because I always liked but... it. I don't know. My kids always liked it. And I was, <laughs> then I started ordering Tiger Blood, and I like it. Well, it's probably 30 years I haven't had a snowball, but I guess <laughs> maybe sh- just a regular strawberry. <laughs> yeah. Black cherry. Black cherry Black is my favorite. See, Tad knew exactly. Miss Elaine Snowballs, Black cherry. Too. <laughs> oh, there he goes. Uh, so shout out to Miss Elaine Snowballs, Stan. All right. Uh, this should be an easy one too. For all of y'all, it's probably going to be really easy. Next hurricane, staying or evacuating? Actually, that's an interesting question because had we been in the, the in our hospital building, I'd say stay because we've stayed for every storm. I guess it all depends on where we where we are uh, for the next when the next hurricane arrives, which I hope is a long time from now. <laughs> Me too. Um, I, I can honestly tell you, I would. Uh, I'm going to assume that the emergency room would be there if we don't have a. A modular hospital by then. I don't think the authorities are like hearing it, but it'd be hard pressed for me to leave. Um, <laughs> it's just too much of a rod dot to have to come back <laughs> after you leave because you know your roads are closed and you, you, I don't know. There's just so many obstacles in your way, so I would be hard pressed to leave. Yeah, I have to agree. Hurricane Ida was the first uh, hurricane in my healthcare career that I didn't that I didn't ride out at Lady to see. I was at home. Uh, and it was a harrowing experience, uh, but I think I'd still stay. Uh, so right now there's a hot topic going on online. Uh, so we want to get everybody's take on this. Jambalaya or pastalaya? Jambalaya. Hands down, jambalaya. Pastalaya. 
Ah, <laughs> I had a feeling that's how we were going to turn it. All right. Well, thank you all so much, Miss Karen, uh, Mr. Lloyd, Mr. Tad. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, we, we've really appreciated all the, the information that you've passed along, and we hope this really benefits the communities. Thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. We hope so, too. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the DTB Podcast. Thanks to our producer, Ross Jambal, our executive producer, Jure Gyro, and Hillary Crum, and the rest of the Bless Your Heart nonprofit board members, Luke Newman and Chris Brantley. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the DTB Podcast on Facebook, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also get more content by following us on Twitter and TikTok at the DTB Podcast. I'm Brennan Mathern. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.